Welcome to the Red Pill Training Podcast, brought to you by James Jassy Training, 3D Physiotherapy, and the Mansfield Sports Institute. Gemma, James, and Phil, delivering topical podcasts on fitness, nutrition, health, lifestyle, training, and sports. Morning, team. Morning. Morning. How are we doing? Uh, like a six out of ten. Six out of ten feeling? Yeah. Oh, you're looking an eight. Well, that's kind. Jassy, double six for you, mate. You've got it, oh, you haven't, have you? That's it, mate. Some of, us were, some of us were born with it. Yeah, I was at the back of the queue, though. Yeah. But you've got the brains. Got the circumference of head that <laughs> would suggest that I have big brains yes yeah do you know it was actually nearly in the 40s so 1940s before they stopped thinking that like they would measure intelligence by the size of your head imagine if you were born in the 40s I'd win everything I'd have been prime minister size of my head you got a teeny head. Have I got a little head? Yeah. You got a pinhead. Have I? <laughs> Peahead. <laughs> when I was a little, they always called me meathead. No. <laughs> you got a pinhead, mate. Ah. Oh. So then I wouldn't have been prime minister. No, absolutely. Jazzy would have been prime minister. You'd have been Malcolm Meatball head over here. Prime Minister Jouse. <laughs> okay. That'd be a good world. With you, prime minister? Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> but, well, at least people would know where they stand, eh, mate? Exactly, there's too much going around the subject, isn't there? I actually think that's a great... Maybe that should be the next sort of Don't campaign. Don't hurt people's feelings anymore. Yeah. We could do that, couldn't we? Campaign Jousty for Prime Minister. I'd vote for you, mate. And me. You'd get my vote. You'd get two votes. Your mum would vote for you. Would she? So... Fitness, physics, functional continuum, we're talking about. What on earth do you mean? Come on, Phil. What is this? The functional continuum, when did we develop that? In fairness, you developed that. Okay, and told that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Many moons ago. Uh, 2007, you introduced that to me, mate. Yeah. But it was it was born out of a necessity really to explain what we do, yeah, how we think, uh, and it's a really good something we've used all along is the continuum there of. I think I remember being asked on, on a seminar, um, can and everybody knows my feelings towards leg extensions. You know, there's very few things where I'll be sort of black and white and say that's just absolute rubbish or bad for you or 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 this circumstance where I could or couldn't use it. I think leg extension is just one of those ones where I cannot see any circumstance where it could be helpful. But anyway, there was... Should we go into that a little bit? Leg extension? Might. Well, obviously, because we know where you stand on it, but... And what you mean you by it? obviously saying it, but people will be like, what's, what's wrong about? with my leg extensions that I do every day? Well, apart from the fact that you're driving the patella into the femur, you know, I tell you what, the best thing to do is to lay down... And then have somebody push on your kneecap and push really hard down and see how it feels. And the problem with that is, is it bangs against the bone, and then of course the bone underneath 
hurts. You're just like rubbing it together. And what you don't have with it, you've got one bone moving and one bone fixed. So what what tends to happen with when you have two bones moving is you have sort of like a an opening or an allowance of space between those two bones which allow joints to move and when you lock one bone in one position and just move the other you don't get that dual space you just get that what we call coupled motion where the, the reason there's a reason for the motion happening in that direction yeah um and so with a leg extension a classic example is not only do you get a sort of patellofemoral problem but you also you also get acceleration issues in that the the bone underneath the tibia keeps going upwards and it has no there's very little contraction from the opposite muscle group to slow it down or to control it. So you also got, it goes too far. You get you get all sorts. I mean, you get all sorts of injuries. Um, maybe it's a podcast in itself. Just explaining yeah, why it's, it's a big topic, mate. There's lots of. Uh, it'd be nice for for Gemma to find some good research on it for us. And well, yeah, I mean, you you said something there in regards to patellofemoral syndrome has been caused by leg extensions, whereas the traditional treatment protocols are using doing leg, extensions. leg extensions to correct the uh, maltracking of the patella to, yeah. to rebalance the quadriceps as to what they perceive as being the That's causes them. of um, patella maltracking. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we, should, maybe we should take that one day. Maybe we should take that one day. But for now, let's, let's uh, stay on point. Yeah. Well, I mean, within that, you alluded to the point of what we're talking about anyway in a sense of it is not that leg extension is unfunctional in a sense of we have one bone that is fixed yeah and the other bones are moving around a fixed uh, so that the femur yeah. is fixed and the tibia below it is moving around that fixed axis with a patella uh, going with it as well um, whereas if our foot was on the floor and we were going from the bottom of a squat, standing up, through that knee extension process. Now the femur is moving as well. The femur has the ability to glide at the same time as the tibia. Um, and also not just in a straight, in the sagittal plane, it allows for the, the transverse plane to be, to be present and create that knee space. Absolutely. So how is that relevant to what we do? Can we explain that a little bit well well the functional continuum there is, is, is exactly that is that technically uh, and the functional continuum is, is a time is a time consuming it's, it's, it's really all about time and efficiency is technically um, you could become a better runner with leg extension if we wanted to really sort of argue and be nitpicky and and argue with each other we could we could find evidence or research to say a leg extension will make me a better runner or make me run faster um and where, where we come from we would like our exercise and our training time to be as effective and as efficient as, as possible so what we'll do is we'll try to find exercises that smell like and look like the sport we're trying to improve or the activity we're trying to improve um and in, 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 if we're using running as an example, you know, a lunge looks a lot more like a running, like running than a leg extension would. Where a step up would be a closer, or a lunge to jump would be a little bit closer. And, and I think the fitness industry has gone on an awful tangent with functional training. Um, yeah. And and I mean, there is no such thing as functional training. It doesn't exist. Um, if we wanted to be really pedantic, the only thing functional to running is running. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I think functional training is is that. Well, it's been a buzzword for a while now. Yeah. But it is that way of putting things into boxes. Yeah. Uh, and saying, well, if it's not bodybuilding, it's not isolated, isolated joints, then it's functional. Yeah. So we are doing compound movements that look something like life. We are functional training. We're picking up heavy objects. We're moving heavy objects. We're doing, yeah, squatting, deadlifting. These are life skills, and that is therefore functional. Yeah. Uh, is and they're the kind of the two two boxes that we're just going. We'll put you in that. We'll then. put you in that or that. So we are functional training, whereas you're just been a bodybuilder and being isolated, okay. even though they do squats yeah, and deadlifts yeah. and yeah. But yeah, the the joys of our exercise is better than your exercise <laughs> standards. <laughs> and so yeah, and so and so so that's it really. I mean, if you've got these different sports and and. You've only got 35, 40, 50 minutes, whatever you've got a week, to, uh, or sorry, per day to train. You want to try to use your time as efficient, efficiently as possible. And the way you can be most efficient with what you're doing is doing exercises that smell, look, and are based around your sport is, is, the, is the simplistic way. I mean, we, we, we'd go a little bit more complex where we'll try to manipulate those to activate different muscle groups at different times. Um, but, I mean... This, we in the functional continuum says that the only thing functional to what you're trying to improve is what you're trying to improve so the only thing functional to running is running uh, you can't you can't do the closing we, we have running for example a manipulation of a running variable would be running up and down a hill that would be that isn't running if you go into a race in three weeks which is on flats and you choose to do a hill run today you're creating a greater demand or a strength element on running by running up and down a hill that's not functional to running that's just running that's just running with a little bit more of a strength element in it so the functional continuum states of I've taken a very small step away from what is uh, replicating my my sport and I can come slowly down that continuum and then say okay running up hills and maybe yeah running some different I mean even running faster than what I'm planning to do on race day is a change of variable uh, harder yeah I think and that's the the missing point is that we are choosing along this functional continuum to move closer to the sport or further away from it but understanding exactly why you are choosing that exercise so you're choosing to run up the hill because you want to have a strength session make it a little bit more muscular effect on the body rather than it being more momentum based on the flats take the stress off the joints put it onto the muscles that's a choice in the training within the training cycle etc etc for for that training effect whereas um, uh, and we can do that with yeah come down the continuum and still decide like what we said lunging is more like running so therefore it is more functional than a squat but people will still all runners do squats to to improve their strength for running it is less functional than a lunge but it will still have an effect, the, an effect yeah. to help benefit which is what science has proved over time is are people who are stronger in squat and therefore increase their sporting performance but what we are saying is if we can be closer to the sport 
And I think you apply that to injuries and things. Obviously, with a physio background, it's what I tend to apply a lot of things to. But if you have X is what you want to achieve, but you can't achieve that, so you bring it back the minimal amount that you need to in order to be able to complete something, it still looked like the sport that you're aiming for, but allowing that athlete to still continue with training whilst if they're injured or etc. Well, I think what you talked about there with injuries, Jim, like obviously I've dealt with a fair number of injuries in my time as well. And for me, when we, we put it into that functional continuum, if I have three athletes with knee pain, one of them plays golf, one of them's a runner, and one of them's a squatter, I have to understand that those functions are different. Yeah, absolutely. The, the stress on the knee, the force on the knee, where where the forces are coming from are different. So how can my assessment be the same? How, why would I lie them down, flex the knee, and do all the same tests regardless of... What kind of athlete they are. What kind of yeah. athlete. Maybe, maybe I do lie them down because I want to check joint... Yeah, structure, integrity. Structure, yeah. Yeah. Of course. But ultimately, if it's a pain-induced by... Once, once I've done those tests yeah. and it's pain-induced by movement, I need to understand the function and then go, well... Yeah, what it is, what structures that are causing that, or yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's all about, like exactly, like you said, all about trying to manipulate it so it looks more like what they do that would reproduce that symptom, or what they do that would sort of apply to their sport. I mean, that's a classic example of what you're doing is is the painful motion. It's very rarely the, is the lay is very rarely laying down. Yeah, exactly. You know, so usually a lot of the time the people will come in and they'll say, well, it hurts, my, I, I, I have pain in my knee when I run. Okay, do you have pain in your knee when you're asleep? No. Do you have pain in your knee when you're uh, jumping? Oh, yes, I have pain in your jumping. Do you have pain in your knee when you're sitting? No. So you need to see them in their sport and see them in their activities to be able to assess it. And that's, again, the functional continuum is how far down the functional continuum can I come while they've still got pain? Mm-hmm. And, and we reach a point where, okay, they don't have pain here, but they have pain here. And that should be usually a starting point for development of, of exercises for them and rehabilitation. Yeah. Um, it's actually, sorry, on, on that, I have a really interesting one. Because actually, I was treating a guy the other day, and he told me he couldn't squat without pain or lunge without pain in his knee. And we went through the session, and I actually had him lunging with little to no discomfort little to no pain squatting still had pain but then I found it I stood him on one leg and got him to do a balanced reach and that had the most amount most amount of pain so the things that he wants to do in his sport which are yeah. squatting and lunging are actually the is was one of the least painful the relative things, yeah, to yeah. something that I ended up finding in my assessment yeah. which then becomes pretty cool because he can still play his sport yeah he can still but do his sport, do. but we have to be able to then crack an exercise that looks very little like his like his yeah. sport, but that needs to be pain-free because it shouldn't be painful. Yeah. So, so ultimately, that is the, the the sort of short and sweet version of the functional continuum is 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 knowing, as you really nicely said, Chelsea, uh, knowing where you are on the continuum with that exercise you're doing today, knowing what you're trying to get out of, out of that exercise. Um, I think a lot of people I mean in my experience a lot of people if you go into the gym and you play the why game with them you say why are you doing that now 
Um, some people aren't interested in it. They'll, they'll just, you know, they just want to follow their program and, and whatever's in the program is just what they do and they want to switch off. That's fine. You know, good luck to them. But there are also the others out there who are inquisitive and they want to know why. And, and I'd always be asking the question, you know, where am I on that functional continuum and why am I doing this now? Uh, and, and that... <laughs> that also goes for reps and sets and strength elements and flexibility elements at the end of the day your demand when you're competing uh, every single joint every single muscle ha- will have some form of demand placed on it it will have some kind of flexibility demand some kind of strength demand some kind of power demand it will have some all, all of these types of things um, and so the exercise I'm doing now how is that helping me towards that and it's a question that's not asked often enough, if you ask me, in, in the fitness world. It's a question who's not, that's not addressed often enough by coaches. It's sort of, yeah, well, you're just squatting because I told you to squat. It's not, it's not an answer from the coach. It should never be an answer. It should be, it should, we should know. The functional continuum, yes, is what is the lunge to running if I want to be better at running or what is the squat to run if I want to be better at running. But there's so many other elements in it. What is the psychological element of it? What is the psychological pressure of the exercise? What time am I doing it? How many reps should I do? How many? How much weight should I have on the bar? All the sort of periodization questions are relevant to the functional continuum because it should be trying to improve something that you're not good at at the moment or would like to be better at. And so, yes, the functional continuum is very short and easy to understand. You know, let's do something that smells like our activity. But for it to smell like the activity, we need to create as much of that activity as possible in, in our program design. And too much program design is sort of um, I, I really sort of I like if one of the guys, one of the guys, stops one of my athletes and asks them why are you doing that. They should be able to answer and say, yeah, well, we're working on this, we're in this phase, and I'd like to make this better. It's a really nice way to be out training psychological freedom, rather than the uh, yeah, coach says I just need to go and smash it out and get it done today, put myself in the locker. You know, which is the which is the but some like conversely, some athletes are better in that in that sort of mindset they don't want to know they overthink things they don't want to they don't want to be completely aware of what it is that they're doing so I think it's on an individual basis isn't it I think absolutely absolutely and there are some people that just want to get out and train yeah Um, and and, and they trust you to just like just you carry on yeah what what I think you've kind of said there Phil is we're talking about the functional continuum in a case of exercise selection yeah. But then we can then go deeper into a deeper level and go, well, here's the functional continuum on why am I choosing this many reps yeah. relative to my function Absolutely. as well. Because we often get, or I know people look at my training and go, oh, that's a lot of reps. And I'm like, well, a lot of reps, but on competition day, guess what? They've got a lot of reps a, today. A few lap reps, yeah, exactly. And they look at my training and go, oh, well, yeah, there's a lot of reps in that training. It's like, but most of the time he's just doing an air squat or a lunge repeatedly with his own body weight if if my athlete is going to break down doing an air squat and lunge after 150 reps that's a problem for me Absolutely. if I know that his body and his mechanics and his patterns all begin to break down after 150 reps of him moving his body and over the course of a few weeks of a strength cycle being under load he's in trouble he's in big yeah. big trouble so yeah. that that functional continuum goes from exercise selection choice down through yeah reps sets rest yeah 
energy systems. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that that really is it, is that the, 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 the problem with program design is people look at the body as fitness, and I know it sounds strange, of course you train to get fitter, but it, you, you don't necessarily train to get fitter, and I, that's really a strange thing to say, Let me, I'm going to try and explain it the best I can, but you, you're trying to improve a skill, you're not trying to get fitter, and there's a big, big difference between between that and you look at the skill element of the sport and you know darts is a skill element you you practice darts you throw darts and as you throw darts you get better at throwing darts but people would all people would say well he's not training he's not trying to get fitter he's trying to improve his skill and to a certain extent these guys are training i mean the triathletes or the cyclists or the crossfit guys they're training six seven eight hundred hours a year being in form is nothing to is, is nothing to do with it. You're gonna be in shape. They're training enough hours. The questions are: What are you getting out of those hours you're in the gym? What are you improving? Because if you're going in there just to get fitter, you're wasting your time because you've got the hours in the bank anyway. So what are you trying to improve today? What are you trying to get better? And 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 just going in and smashing yourself. Yes, you'll get some kind of neurological adaption. Yes, you'll get some kind of um, uh, strength adaption possibly you'll maybe you'll get better at some other things but 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 it's sort of aimless training if you like there should be a clear dedicated strategy to improving what the weaknesses of the athlete are and yes if the athlete's weaknesses are lung capacity on, on the rowing machine you within you train that of course but it's, it's rarely lung capacity, it's rarely aerobic fitness, it's rarely, yeah, some people like some numbers up and, and be a little bit stronger, but it's mostly technique, it's mostly being able to complete the exercise, it's mostly able to do things right, it's mostly having imbalances, it's mostly having um, injuries, <coughs> or staying away from injuries, and not enough of the programme design focuses on that. Yeah, I think relative to sport, it, it's massive, like back in the day when when I played football, there was times where when you're injured, you do more running, more fitness, everything whilst you're whilst you're injured and, and coming back coming back in. Then as soon as you go back into the sport, the sport specific, you're still a mess. Yeah, because it's just a completely that, yeah. completely different feeling, completely alien environment. It's not replicating. The actual you can't replicate the event, and that's what we talked about. And well, how it feels. Hopefully, we're going to talk about is like the environment in which we then train our athletes in, and like the different ways that we yeah. can, yeah, stress them. Maybe is the wrong word, but different ways that we can stress them so that they can adapt. And yeah. again, it looked much more specific to their normal football or rugby yeah. or whatever else it is, because that doesn't. I mean, sitting and doing leg press in a gym might make your legs that little bit stronger but how is that applicable to you sitting on a rugby pitch and sort of that explosive power you need there with all the different environmental changes the team changes all, all that sort of thing yeah absolutely and I think but I think that's it is, is, is that what we, we have a podcast I think we've played a podcast yeah. on envir- on athletes environment creating environments for athletes and that's exactly what we'll be talking about there is is how do we make those decisions um, and, and how do we do that how do we sort of yeah, what's the, what's the right way to say? It? How do you how do you set them up for success? We talked a lot in other podcasts about setting them up for success, but we're going to talk in this po- in that podcast a lot about the creating that environment environment for for people. Um, so that's the functional continuum. Um, anything else you guys would like to add? How can we apply that to 
the people that are listening what else can we do um what would you recommend to them as in as in taking this yeah, taking forward, this forward now, for yeah. them yeah. yeah I think it's a really good question it's probably one that's difficult to answer mm-hmm. um which is what makes it a good question I guess mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um the the thing is, is it's always to be aware of what you're trying to get out of what you're doing and, and, and the thinking to yourself what am I trying to improve with what I'm doing now and and is am I taking a step closer to that I think actually it's a really good point is that if you're not improving something you're making something worse there isn't any middle ground there and there's a lot of people who are training every time you train you train to improve something so if you're improving something that's bad, you're getting worse. Um, and so, I mean, the, the classic example is uh, a two, two-legged squats. Um, a two-legged squat would be the, the, the old example of what is a progression, a one-legged squat or a two-legged squat. Is a two-legged squat a progression of one-leg squat or is a one-leg squat a progression of a two-leg squat? And that's to say, well, if my squat is skew with and I'm sort of all over the place, then a one leg squat is where you'd start to go up to a two leg squat. But if a two leg squat you was really smooth and really good, you might want to go up to a one leg squat. To, so the answer is both, um, and and that's really cool. Um, and that's how you would use the functional continuum is to say, well, am I improving something here? Or am I improving something that's worse? Yeah, I'm making am making something worth by repeating the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Am I getting better at being worse? Yeah. Um, and so if you are improving something well then you're using the functional continuum because yeah. you're, you're, you're doing something and again the next question is then well how far away from could I do it in a better way that's all we're really talking yeah. about is, is there a better way is there a better way to be more efficient can I do something that smells just like what I'm what I'm trying to, to, to produce on match day or game day or race day or competition day how far away from that do I need to come to create an adaptation to to what I'm doing without going too far away from it? It's it's seen a lot in the in the fitness industry and in strength and conditioning, um, where their most important factor is being able to shift load. Yeah. The more load that they can put through the body, the more they can stimulate. More load equals more overload equals more adaptation equals more strength. Yeah. Um, so then you get people going in the argument of, oh, yeah, well, this exercise, the, the counter-argument of what we're talking about and saying, well, all right, standing on one leg, doing a med ball rotation for golf, oh, that looks really sexy, but I'm going to create more force and more load doing a squat. Therefore, that's a better exercise and you need to be able to do that. Um, yeah, but they're not creating more load with the squat, and that's the, the big misconception: is you're creating demand on the system. And the question is, is, is how many repetitions can you do at that particular weight or particular um, stress level? So let's just say I can put 100 kilos on my back and I could do four squats. I probably couldn't, but let's just say I could uh, put 100 kilos on my back and do four squats, and then stand. If you ask me to do a pistol. I could get down and I'd stay down you know I'm not coming up I'm not coming up from a single leg squat so what is harder you, you're talking about okay we're putting load and demand through yeah. my system 100 kilos four times is easier for me 
then a one leg you'd squat all the way down and all the way back up I couldn't do it so what's harder what's greater load the one legged squat it doesn't matter how much weight I've got on my back it's got, the, the yeah. weight I'm pushing is totally not, yeah. totally irrelevant what is relevant is how much demand am I creating on the system and we can use angles you know, we can be really clever with the angle at which we do exercises which creates incredible amounts of stress on the system without any weight on the back the nervous system hasn't got the ability to the nervous system just knows I need to overcome what's in front of me now and what's in front of me is bloody hard so yeah. now I need to do something um, I think on the using the functional continuum it's like you don't get good at golf by playing cricket no <laughs> No, you slice. It's called a cricket to slice. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those of like, why would I, why would I not do something that looks like a sport? I mean, my my example with golf is, I've been lucky to work with uh, a golf coach with uh, with just an amateur golfer, and literally all I looked at with him was that ability of his spine to to move through the motions that it needs to move through for golf. Yeah. And uh, the issue that he had, or that the golf coach sent him to me with, was the fact that his uh, wrist was coming through before his, before his elbow on yeah. his uh, golf swing. My my golf uh, knowledge is fairly poor, but that was the, that's why the golf coach was there. I was basically asking him, what position does he need to be in? Yeah. You tell me, yeah. and I'll assess why his body cannot can't do that. So I basically found out there was nothing wrong with his shoulder because they thought it was a shoulder restriction and his spine was just not moving through the functions that it should do. So then the program, I think we did three sessions over uh, over a six, eight-month period. He didn't play golf in that time due to, due to work commitments and things like that. Went back to golf, went back to his golf coach, who was then like, what have you been doing? His swing was, he was hitting further with his nine than he could with his seven. <laughs> and he needed a whole new set of golf clubs so I cost him an awful lot of money his performance had gone up so his ability to strike a golf club without any like with the most simplest exercises effectively in the world no load, no weight just mobilising the spine to, to learn the task that it needed to do for that for that sport and that's the that's the game which is then the argument of like you go into golf and go oh well let's get somebody throwing a med ball around it's like yes that exercise looks like golf but are you assessing whether the spine is doing what it's supposed to do or are you just giving them an exercise that looks like golf and not giving it the attention which potentially is just reinforcing the patterns that they've got already but added load to it and therefore making a whole host of things yeah which is where your injuries come from yeah exactly which is where they end up with yeah. Which is where they, yeah. instead, instead of on the trainer's doorstep, they're on the physio's doorstep yeah. because they're yeah they're, they're and then that once they get to our doorstep or yeah, a lot of them is once something's broken down, there's some sort of soft tissue is broken down or something is not quite working as well as it should be because of this, and that's where the symptoms come in as opposed to the cause of it. And like you said before, you're thinking it sort of they originally thought it might be a shoulder, but actually when you were assessing it, it was the spine. And it's trying to stop it getting to that point yeah absolutely absolutely so that was a a small half an hour do you like that small half an hour um what's the small not just not just half an hour not just half an hour small half big big half an hour big 45 minutes quick half an hour yeah um on the the functional continuum again we hope you enjoyed it um 
We it did. is true though. Like if you're in a bad situation in sport, it feels like a long five minutes. Yeah, it does. But if it it's does. going really well, it's a quick five minutes. Absolutely. But it's still five minutes. It's still five minutes. So Perception. this this was felt like a quick. It did it for thirty, 30 minutes to us. Yeah. You might be bored and it might feel like <laughs> a slow thirty minutes. Shot, sleep is shot, uh, yeah. showing a dog sleep therapy. It's our series. At least we'll have a function for something. Yeah, we've got a function <laughs> for people sleeping. Yeah. yeah, we might cure. Yeah, sleep. Yeah. Get well soon, team. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to come and join us on our Red Pill Movement Assessors course, we'll be teaching you the biomechanical assessment procedure designed by James Jowsey and Bill Mansfield. We have two dates left this year, the 23rd and 24th of June in Whatever It Takes London, which is semi-fast, so uh, book up. Or the 27th and the 28th of October in Reebok CrossFit Nuremberg. Look forward to seeing you there.